0: This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Friday, November 5th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's State Alliance. Cal EPA wants 75% organic ag by 2050. PPIC details state water priorities and a long-stalled USDA nominee to get votes. Cal EPA head, 75% of agriculture should be organic by 2050. Cal EPA Secretary Jared Blumenfeld has said several times that he would like to see 75% of the farms in California transition to organic practices by 2050. That according to Don Cameron, president of the State Board of Food and Ag. Speaking at the Western Plant Health Conference yesterday, Cameron, who grows a mix of organic commodities shared concerns about how Blumenfeld's statement has been thrown out there as a big idea. Currently, we don't have the market, he said, and we don't have the labor to keep 75% of the farms free of weeds. After detailing the state's $1.1 billion sustainable ag practice, Cameron said, if you have any questions about where the state is headed, follow the money. You'll know exactly what is moving and what's ahead for us, he described agriculture's future as extremely challenging, yet was optimistic that with some luck and with some innovation and with financial help, agriculture can still have a bright future. On that note, Cameron also sets on Cal EPA's task force on finding alternatives to certain pesticides. He had concerns about being just one of two farmers within a diverse group. Policy experts outline water and climate priorities for California. The Water Policy Center for the Public Policy Institute of California, the PPIC, has outlined priorities for the state in responding to climate change. The report sets the stage for PPIC conference in two weeks on drought and climate change. The events of this past year make it clear that we must act with urgency to meet the challenge of increasingly severe warmer droughts, said economist Ellen Haddock, the director of the center. Now is the time to seize the drought and muster all the forces we can to tackle climate change head on. Our social, economic and natural well-being depend on it. A top priority is to head off the surge of groundwater pumping that has resulted from the drought. The report suggests speeding up groundwater recharge efforts and better managing surface and underground storage. Safe and affordable drinking water also ranks high on the list. When it comes to the health of freshwater ecosystems, the researchers call for a broader watershed scale approach rather than managing by individual species. The report also recognizes the value of better forest management for improving the water supply. Aging water infrastructure is another challenge highlighted by the drought. OSHA unveils workplace COVID requirements on vaccination testing. Workers at companies with 100 or more employees will have to either get vaccinated for COVID-19 Wear face masks and take weekly tests under the emergency standard that goes into effect Friday, the Labor Department has announced. The scope of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has killed nearly 750,000 Americans, makes the issuance of the emergency temporary standard necessary, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh said yesterday on a call with reporters. They're not just statistics, Walsh said, of people who have died or have been sickened by the virus. Many of these people are essential workers in our communities. Grocery store workers and delivery drivers, farm workers and meat packers, first responders and sanitation workers. OSHA estimates the ETS would save over 6,500 worker lives and prevent over 250,000 hospitalizations over the next six months. The vaccination requirement becomes effective within 30 days of the publication of the ETS in Friday's Federal Register, while the testing masking requirement kicks in within 60 days. You can read our full report at agripulse.com. Groups seek clarity on OSHA vax mandate. Some agribusiness leaders will be seeking clarity on the new COVID vaccine mandate. Justin Darcy, a spokesman for the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, said OSHA provided some needed flexibility in terms of a compliance deadline, exempting outdoor workers and clarifying that employers were not required to pay for testing. But NCFC is still concerned about the way OSHA is, quote, determining which employers are covered on the lack of clarity with regards to federated co-ops and their local co-op member owners. He said the co-ops also wanted OSHA to address the possibility of supply chain disruptions. In a September 16 letter to Labor Secretary Marty Walsh and Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, NCFC President and CEO Chuck Connor asked OSHA to, quote, look at facility size rather than size of the overall company as the applicable employee count to trigger the mandate. He cited the example of a grain elevator that has fewer than a dozen employees and no contact with corporate headquarters. National Chicken Council spokesman Tom Super says his group still studying the rule and plans to submit comments on it. Roundup plaintiff to SCOTUS, stay out of the case. A California man who won a $25 million verdict in a federal court after alleging that Roundup caused his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma says there's no reason for the Supreme Court to overturn the decision. The jury verdict was upheld by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. and Monsanto filed a petition in the Supreme Court seeking review, mostly on the basis that federal pesticide law preempts state failure to warn claims. But in his brief, Edwin Hardiman says there's no conflict in federal appeals court on the question. The high court looks closely at whether lower courts disagree when deciding whether to grant petitions. Where, as here, a plaintiff proves that a herbicide is dangerous to human health, the manufacturer can be found in violation of both state and federal law, Hardman argues, and there is no split of authority at all as to whether federal law impliedly preempts such claims. All courts agree it does not. Keep in mind, Monsanto's parent company, Bayer, hopes a reversal of the Ninth Circuit decision will allow the company to avoid compensating plaintiffs in thousands of pending Roundup cases. Here's today's She Said It. It is imperative that hemp and cannabis growers, like all growers, understand and follow limitations on pesticide use. That Department of Pesticide Regulation Acting Director Julie Henderson After the state ordered a Sutter County hemp grower to destroy 22 acres of crops, the grower had applied a pesticide not registered for hemp. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Friday, November 5th. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit agripulse.com. For Agripulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Daly.